From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. We're back after a short Olympic break, just in time to talk about another special session called by Texas Governor Greg Abbott last week. Many state House Democrats spent the last 30 days in Washington breaking quorum to prevent a vote on the GOP-backed elections bill. To talk about what comes next for the state legislature, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers this week talked to State Representatives Nicole Collier, a Democrat from Fort Worth, and Matt Shaheen, a Republican from Plano. Before we get started, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the Lone Star Politics Podcast. It helps us grow the show and helps others find it. The first special session Abbott called adjourned on Friday, and he called for another 30-day session to begin immediately. The governor has the authority to continue to call special sessions. At the time of this recording, it was unclear if Democrats would return to Austin for the session, for which Abbott has amended his agenda. He added items on education, primary elections, radioactive waste, employment, and most applicable to Democrats' trip to Washington, rules relating to quorum break. Democrat Nicole Collier is serving her fifth term representing the state's 95th House District, which includes downtown Fort Worth, Everman, Forest Hill, and Edgecliff Village. Here she is with Julian Gromer. Joining us now is Fort Worth Representative Nicole Collier, who has been in D.C., my old stumping grounds for the past month. Chairman Collier, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Julie, and thank you, Cromer, for having me. Let's begin with this. Governor Abbott has put elections on the call for the next special session. So what happens at this point? Because he has said he will continue to call special sessions. Will Democrats be there? I don't plan on being there. I mean, you know, I think each individual legislator has to make the decision for themselves whether they want to uh, be a part of our own demise. So, uh, you know, the governor has made that statement. Uh, I don't doubt him, but we have made the statement as well that we will continue to stand up for our democracy to protect the freedom to vote for all Texans. Representative, you said that you don't plan on being there. Is it the mood of most members in your caucus to, to continue to stay out of House chambers, uh, at least for the short term? I know you said you won't be there, but what do you think about your, your colleagues? Well, you know, there's a strong, so I, I also chair the Texas Legislative Black Caucus, and we have a good number of our members that are here uh, in Washington, D.C. And so we, there's a strong consensus not to uh, make quorum uh, because we are also waiting and anticipating Congress to act and to pass federal legislation, voting rights legislation. So. You know, that's one thing that we're going to continue to do. Congress is going to be in this week, and we want to be here with them to help them push uh, the needle forward to pass federal voting rights legislation. Representative, the quorum break was, was successful from your point of view. Republicans have, have criticized Democrats, though, for not doing their jobs. And this week, they, they criticized a couple of members for reportedly being in Portugal, that hasn't been confirmed. What's your reaction to those criticisms? Well, my constituents expect me to represent their interests wherever it, it needs to be taken. You know, whether I'm in Washington, D.C., representing their interests, or in Austin, Texas, they expect me to get the job done, and that's what I'm doing. I have not stopped working for my constituents since I was first elected in, uh, in 2013. And so, you know, this talk about not being there. This is part of the process. The rules say that you have to have a quorum. Uh, you know, we saw we lose votes all the time 
and the legislature as Democrats. But when we talk about losing the access to voting, then that's where we have to take our, uh, our, our you know, work to another place, another location where the answer can be found. And right now, that's in Washington, D.C. Is there a compromise bill on voting? Is that even a possibility at this point between Democrats and Republicans? You know, I'd like to think that there is an opportunity to uh, present a, a bill that would actually uh, increase voter turnout and preserve the free and fair elections, but we haven't seen it. So, you know, I, I'd like to see what they file. Uh, if they start there, then yes, that's something to work with. But what they've been filing, they've walked back because they, when we point out the uh, discrepancies and inadequacies and the dis, uh, disparities in their bills, they don't listen at first. And then only when we call them out in public uh, do they try to walk them back and roll back some of the provisions. So, you know, they've got to start right there from the base, increasing voter turnout, uh, you know, making sure that we preserve free and fair elections. These are things that we want to see happen. Uh, if they have to have some type of election bill to pander to their base, uh, then you start there and we'll see what, what happens next. Representative, you brought national attention to voting rights. Do you think the, uh, the Congress, the Senate in particular, will pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act, Act and, and get that preclearance that you need for uh, voting legislation in, in, in state legislatures? Well, they need to bring it up first, but yes, absolutely. I think whether it's the For the People Act uh, with a hybrid of the John Lewis Voting uh, Rights Advancement Act, uh, you know, if they combine the two and try to work something out, we need to have some action take place for, for some model legislation for across the country. Because not only is the attack on our democracy happening in Texas, it's happening in other states like Georgia and Arizona and Florida. So we all need uh, voter protection uh, to preserve our free and fair elections. So yes, I'm hoping that Congress, uh, the Senate will take it up this week and, and they will start moving the uh, needle forward uh, for progress to preserve all the work that our ancestors have done to make sure that we have a voice and a seat at the table. Uh, but I'm counting on Congress. You know, we've turned the baton over to them to take action. So we're expecting them to uh, do their job as well. Let's turn to COVID now. There are several agenda items related to COVID, including funds from the American Rescue Plan for COVID expenses and then education, which includes no universal masking and no vaccine mandate. So your reaction to that and should everybody be there working on COVID? Well, we worked on COVID. And in fact, you know what the call, the 17 items that are on the call right now, all they're doing is tying the hands of local counties and school districts and cities to do what's best for their communities when it comes down to uh, slowing the spread of COVID-19. Uh, by eliminating the opportunity for these uh, governmental entities to make the decisions that's best for them, uh, we're not, uh, the governor is not doing and acting in the best interest of the public. So, you know, we gave, the money is there, they're able to distribute the money and our school districts and our cities should be able to make the decisions under their own local control uh, for, for what's best for them. Representative, are you worried that this, this quorum break and the relationship that, that Democrats have with Republicans in the Texas House is at the point of no return? Can, can you guys come together and repair relationships that, that could be broken, broken at this point? 
You know what I'm really worried about? I'm worried about making sure that parents can send their children to school uh, without worrying about the spread of COVID-19. I'm worried about making sure that um, the right to vote is preserved. There's so many other things. I'm worried about our power grid uh, to make sure that our infrastructure is, is uh, secure. There's so many things that we could be doing, but we're not. Uh, so uh, the relationships are one thing, but making sure that we take care of the people of Texas is another, and that's where my focus is. Representative Nicole Collier, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate your time. Thank you. At the start of the first special session, Texas Speaker of the House Dade Phelan, a Republican from Beaumont, appointed a select committee on constitutional rights and remedies. It was in charge of looking at the elections bill. Republican Matt Shaheen is on that select committee. He represents the state's 66th district, which covers about half of Plano and a small part of northern Dallas. He joins Julian Gromer to discuss the second special session. Representative Matt Shaheen of Plano is on that committee. He joins us now. Thanks, Representative, for being with us. Great to be with you. Let's begin with this. Is there any room for compromise on an elections bill? Well, absolutely. We've been working with the Democrats since the very beginning. What a lot of people don't even know is that there's actually 12 different amendments from Democrats that are on their current election bill. So, look, we've been working with them since the very beginning on the election bill. And so it's a great bill. It makes it easy to vote, hard to cheat. And uh, I look forward to it passing now in our second special session, which will start tomorrow. All right, Representative, uh, great to have a guest on uh, with, that shares the same hairstyle that I have. Democrats point out that there was a compromise on a House bill during the regular session, but that got blown up when the bill came back from conference. So how do we move forward with, with negotiations uh, if there's no quorum, if there's distrust because of what happened during the regular session? Well, I think the only distrust really has been built up by the lies that the Democrats have been saying in Washington, D.C. They've been making terrible claims about voter suppression and racism, which are false. They're lies. They need to stop that and come to the table, come back to Austin and work with us. The, I've talked to the bill author many times, and he's always open to meet with um, the Democrats, Republican members across the board and come to a bill that works for both parties. But a lot of what they're saying about the bill are just false claims. And so they need to stop that and come back to Austin and work with us. But can you guarantee, Representative, that there won't be a bait and switch, that you know the House members come to an agreement and then it comes back from conference? And it's, well, you know. Yeah, there was never a bait and switch. Those claims are, are false. Um, what happened was you had a House version and a Senate version of the Elections Integrity Bill. Of course, the conference was put together of House members and Senate members, and uh, they worked in a very public, transparent way and brought it back to the House. When it came back to the House floor, they made additional amendments. So, again, a lot of claims that are just false that are outright lies about the Election Integrity Bill. But look, the bill's author has been very clear. He's open to discussions. And we've been working with the Democrats on that bill since the very beginning. We'll continue to do so. The problem is they're not in Austin to work with us right now. There are 17 items on this agenda. If everyone is there, can you get through them in 30 days? I think so. Look, there's a lot of important things that the Democrats, quite frankly, have killed when, uh, when they broke quorum. We need to get additional uh, money for children in foster care. They killed vital education funding that will help close the COVID gap that a lot of our students are experiencing right now because a lot of the virtual 
virtual education. Uh, they stopped paying for retired teachers. So yeah, there's a lot of items out there. Yeah, we can definitely get them uh, get them done. It's just we got to get the Democrats back in Texas to do their job. Okay, some of those items, however, were not on the agenda in the first session. If they were so important, like the 13th check for teachers, why weren't they mm -hmm. passed then? Well, what's happened is that the Texas economy continues to boom. Remember, we started the regular session thinking we were going to have a significant shortfall. And we did have shortfalls in revenue. We did have to make budget cuts. We were able to fund our priorities like education, like health care. But we had to make significant cuts. And what's been happening is, is the Texas, Texas economy is recovering at a faster pace, quite frankly, than a lot of other states. So we actually have more revenues uh, now projected than we did just a couple of months ago. So that's why we're looking at additional funding for foster care, uh, additional funding for our retired teachers. The money just wasn't there during the regular session, but it is there now. There are several agenda items related to COVID, including funds from the American Rescue Plan and then mm -hmm. education, which includes no universal masking and no vaccine mandates. Your reaction to all of, all of that, Representative? Look, uh, Texas has done a great response to COVID. If you look at our population over 65 and older, uh, over 80% have been vaccinated. Um, I think close to 60% of the entire uh, state of Texas has been vaccinated. Uh, we are seeing a, in a spike uh, in cases right now. A lot of that's this new variant, but our, actually our um, fatalities are, are flat or even declining. So people still are getting ill, even some that are vaccinated, although those are rare, but people are recovering a lot better. So look, we've had a great response, but in no way would I ever support mandating vaccines. That's a decision that individuals need to make. They need to talk with their doctors. A vaccine may not make sense for some individuals that have some sensitivities, but under no circumstances would I ever support a mandate. You know, you just said that the response to COVID has been great. There are some that would disagree with you, including the president this week, who basically talked about the state of Texas and the number of cases here and said lead to the governor or really get out of the way, lead to stop the curb of COVID. What do you say to that? Well, quite frankly, uh, President Biden has fallen short in a lot of different topics. And if you look at how fast that we were able to get testing uh, in the state of Texas, the vaccine and the distribution, you know, the supply chain to get the vaccine distributed throughout the state of Texas. Remember, we have 29 million people is a challenge because it has to be refrigerated. We're a big state. We're the second largest landmass state. And for us to be able to get uh, close to 60% of our population vaccinated. Really, the president doesn't have any room to talk. I wish he would focus on the border uh, and the amount of uh, illegal aliens that are entering our state and causing issues, including the spread of COVID, but lots of different issues. I'd rather the president focus um, on the border and his job and leave it to Texas to take care of Texas with, with respect to COVID, because quite frankly, our response has been stellar. Uh, Representative, as a member of, of the House, of the legislature, do you support the governor's veto uh, of, of the budget item that funds the legislature and pays staff and provides health insurance and all of that for, for thousands of, 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 of Texas workers? Well, I wasn't thrilled with it. It is his constitutional right. And look, he was looking for a mechanism to get the uh, Democrats to come back uh, to Texas and, and do their work. I mean, look, this, this whole uh, political stunt of theirs has been an embarrassing failure. They've spread COVID in DC, they've made trips. Now we're here to Colorado and the Caribbean in addition to Europe. 
it's all been a, on a foundation of lies. But look, it's the governor's prerogative to do that. He was doing that to apply pressures uh, so that the Democrats would come to Texas and do their job. So with that, I support him. Before I let you go, I just want to know, this has been such a contentious month. At this point, do you think Democrats and Republicans can come together and can work together after everything that's happened? It's going to be difficult, uh, quite frankly. I think the floor is going to be different for the second uh, special session when we think they'll, they'll come back. Their numbers in D.C. seem to be dwindling. They seem to be getting thin. But look, you know, the Democrats have said some awful things. They've said some awful lies uh, about, you know, voter suppression, racism. I mean, I'm a minority from the Middle East. Why would I suppress my own vote? So, yeah, when when you have uh, members that lie about you from Washington, D.C. on their, you know, their liberal talk shows and their press conferences, it does put a strain. But look, at the end of the day, Republicans are focused on doing what's right for the people of Texas. We're going to pass these priorities. We're going to get that funding for education for foster children. We're going to get election reform done. We're going to get bail reform since the Democrats left the state of Texas. Seven Texans have been murdered by people that have been released on bail inappropriately. So, look, we're going to get this done. We're going to be focused. But, yeah, quite frankly, the Democrat lies have made it much harder to work with them. Representative Shaheen, thanks so much for joining us. I enjoyed being with you. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Gomer. Grom, you brought this up during the show a little bit, but, you know, what is next for the Democrats if they choose not to go back to Austin? What do they do next? Well, you know, the first quorum break is always the easiest, right? You know, everybody is filled with enthusiasm. Uh, they had a mission. It was in, in Washington, D.C. The goal was to bring national attention to voting rights and also prod federal officials, particularly senators, to move on legislation that would help, you know, create national standards on voting and sort of an oversight so states like Texas, in their view, wouldn't be able to pass this kind of legislation without it being pre-cleared. All that's done, Julie, right? Well, not the law, but, but uh, their attempt to bring focus on that. Now, the hard part is staying out for another 30 days, right? And staying united. And staying united when, one, you have family considerations, work considerations, although work isn't, isn't all that uh, uh, heavy because they, they're going to be in Austin anyway, right? right. But still, so you, you got this weight. Being away, you, you travel a lot. It's not easy, it's right? It's not easy. Just, uh, just imagine being cooped up and, and you saw the, you were in a Washington Plaza for a couple of days. Nothing against the Washington Plaza, but it's not home, right? And so imagine having to do that for another 30 days. You know, and no hotel is home. Right. No hotel is home. And I can tell you from being in Washington, you don't, I mean, they go to the hill, but we couldn't go to the hill as much as they could go to the hill. So you're, you're in one place, yeah. you know, you're in one place. So, so, so what, what could happen is that I think they're scattered. The, fifth, the, the, the session, the early days of the session, there won't be a lot of Democrats there. As, as this thing turns out, though, you know, you may see more Democrats come back. But here's what I think they want. And we talked about this on the show. I think Democrats will want a concession that if they come to an agreement on a bill, that it won't be that there won't be another bait and switch. Right. Because, and you talked to Representative exactly, Shaheen about that. Because that's what led to the the the, the first walkout and then the, the big walkout. And, it, you know, it's hard to assure that. 
And, and Shaheen kind of glossed over it, like, oh, yeah, there were some amendments that came back. Well, it was those amendments that really led Democrats to, to really call the bill kind of a draconian bill that impacted the voting rights of, 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 of black and, and Hispanic residents. Now, that's debatable. You know, Republicans say that's debatable, but that's the big issue here. Okay, so one thing that I think with that going on, and COVID, there also was a hearing with the, you know, in in Austin on Monday involving the Big 12. Yes. There was, a, and, but at the end of the day, yes. Gromer, if Texas wants to leave the Big 12, they can leave the Big 12, right? There's nothing that they can do to stop that. They were, the lawmakers were acting out. They were hurt. They were in their feelings about it because it's a big deal. I mean, the and, big, a lot fine, of people, And economically, too. Economically. You know, a lot of people in this area and, 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 you know, in Missouri and Kansas and other places grew up on, on Big 12 sports. And that's, that, that's threatened now uh, from an economic standpoint and from a, uh, from a fan standpoint. And so what the lawmakers have to do, I believe, is assist Big 12 officials and others in sort of making sure the conference is fortified, or just seeing what the next steps are going to be. Because Fort Worth, for instance, they're going to they'll be hurt by this in other Big 12 communities. You know, now that we're talking about football, you know what time of the year it is. Yeah. Our fantasy drafts. Are you ready? I'm number seven. Where are you? Have you guys picked we out haven't, your league? We haven't uh, drew uh, yet. So I'm hoping to get, like, in the middle somewhere. Well, I was know? first. I had first round pick last year, and I came in third to last. And then the year before, I picked like number ten, and, and I came in the, second. Yeah. Right. So I think I'm excited to be right in the middle. Newly Scruggs is uh, in your league. Are you guys friendly rivals there? Do you want no, to? No, Newey and I were Newey and I root for each other. There are friendly rivals, but Newey and I are Newey and I are we now we didn't do the draft in person last year because of COVID. Right. But Newey and I have historically always sat next to each other. He yeah. cheers me on, but he wants to trade with me a lot, and I, it's, I rarely trade. I don't like trading. Yeah, I play with what I have. Yeah. Newey helped me with my draft last year. Everybody got hurt, but he had some good advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, a fantasy football, Gromer and I will be back next week. This is my favorite part when we just get to chat because, you know, I, I call Gromer like 24-7, and he calls me like, one seven. Uh, so. well, that's, that's a big exaggeration, you know. <laughs> but I know Julie's going to call, so I don't, you know. Right, I, you exactly. Know. He doesn't have to. All right. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for watching and listening. Thanks to State Representatives Nicole Collier and Matt Shaheen for joining us this week. You can stay up to date with everything related to Texas politics at NBCDFW.com slash Lone Star Politics. We'll talk to you next week.